Hey everybody, it's Greg from the podcast series Experience Asheville. I apologize for the absence the last couple of weeks. Today we're at Pilot Cove and we're going to talk a little bit about mountain biking. Before we start, just want to thank our sponsor Yonaware, which uh, be on the lookout in August. They got some of the coolest uh, designed apparel I've seen in Western North Carolina in a while. So with that being said, we're going to dive right into the podcast today and we're going to jump around a little bit. So I'm with Colin from Pilot Cove, and I'm Barrett from Red Wolf Mountain Bike Tours. Um, and before we start, we're at we're doing the podcast from Pilot Cove. Um, so I want to talk a little bit. First, I want to introduce. Thank you guys for coming, and thank you for the delicious coffee. Sure. Um, why don't you tell us about what you got going on at Pilot Cove? Um, it's right at the entrance of Pisgah National Forest, so obviously it's tied into the biking aspect. So why don't you tell us what's going on here, because it's pretty badass. Sure, thank you. And um, Pilot Cove, in short, is a hospitality development, and our target audience is outdoor recreation tourists. So we share a one-mile contiguous border with Pisgah National Forest, uh, right at the Highway 276 gateway. A lot of our neighbors are the Hub and Pisgah Tavern, uh, Acoustic Brewing, uh, Sycamore Cycles, and it's a real um, high traffic and busy intersection for folks going into Pisgah. So we took that idea and created more of a high-end uh, lodging development here that caters toward uh, folks coming to enjoy the forest. Awesome. And basically, I'll tell listeners, so you've got a, these awesome 600 to 1,200 maybe square foot cabins. Uh, or not cabins, they're like environmentally designed structures. I don't even know how to explain <laughs> it, but they're they're pretty cool. They're 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 a lot more modern and contemporary than I mean they're new, so um, check it out online and we'll come back to that in a little while. But they're pretty awesome. Sure. The idea behind the architecture was um, in Brevard we did our market research and there's you know the Hampton Inn, Holiday Inn or camping or just the you know typical log cabin that you find in the woods that you can run on Airbnb. So we wanted to offer something a little nicer, um, kind of caters more toward, toward luxury finishes and uh, more modern and contemporary because we're big fans of architecture and just wanted to you know, bring um, solid and, and well thought out design here toward, uh, to the Brevard area. Um, so the biggest one we have is 880 square feet, okay. uh, two bedroom, uh, one bath cabin, but the bathrooms are designed to accommodate three users at once, all in private. Uh, and then we have a one-bedroom model that is 660 square feet, and then an efficiency or studio model that's uh, 440 square feet. And all of them have uh, very large uh, covered uh, decks that really interact with the, uh, the forest. Yeah, and, and just so everyone knows, obviously we're going to talk about my mountain bike, and we're going to concentrate on that today, which we haven't done yet. But uh, you're right at the entrance of the park, so or National Forest, I should say. Uh, but you basically... Whether you want to hike, bike, camp, fish, it's all literally five minutes away. Drink beer. We'll get to that later. So, so anyway, let's let's start with you, Barrett. Um, you're going to be our mountain bike guy today. Um, again, from uh, Red Wolf Mountain Bike Tours. Tell us before we start. I, I, I want to get to know you guys a little bit. Tell me where you're from and how you ended up here. I, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. I actually grew up in uh, North Alabama. And um, in college, I moved around a lot and was out west a bunch and really fell in love with the mountains and mountain biking. And when my wife and I got married, we planned to move out west. We were like, you know what, that's where the mountains are. That's where all the good stuff is. We're going west. And then um, we visited Brevard once and lived here within four months. 
That's so, pretty awesome. Yeah, we found it. We're like, this is awesome. You know, it's literally everything we wanted, except for good skiing. But you know, you'll, well, that's you'll the have, southeast. You're gonna have you'll, to move you'll just have that. But you know, it's. I mean, the area is amazing. You can ride your bike year round, pretty much. Um, you know, the cost of living compared to like you know going out to like Boulder or something like that, it's just way more manageable and. You know, we're Southerners. We like the South. So. so you just packed up and came here and it's like, we're going to make it work. Yeah, we came up here. My wife got a job and then, uh, yeah, I just tagged along. So <laughs> That's awesome. And Colin, how about you? How did you, I, I know you're originally from Georgia. Right. So um, just uh, tell us how you ended up here as well. Sure. I was working for a trail design company called Trail Design Specialists. And they're just north of Athens, Georgia, where I was living at the time. And it was during the recession when they were doing a lot of um, uh, trail building projects here in Pisgah National Forest. So we had a 14-month contract to work on um, Ork Cove, Florida, two miles of looking glass rock trail, and, and some other ones uh, uh, near Rainbow Falls as well. And so I could either commute up here and stay four or five days at a time camping, essentially, and then go back. And we would work during gust weather windows, so it wasn't exactly a you know, Monday through Friday gig. Or I could move up here, so my wife and I decided it was time to you know, relocate to a different town. Awesome. So, welcome to North Carolina, you guys. Uh, all right, let's talk about mountain biking a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's a hobby or a sport or both. I happen to have way too many hobbies, and um, I'm not quite the mountain biker, although I have one, so you guys are going to be the experts for me today. So, I'm going to talk to Barrett and direct this towards you, um, you know, what, what made you get into that business specifically? Is it just a love for uh, that in, that you have or what, what made that tick for you? It really is. I mean, you know, like everybody else growing up playing sports, I had a lot of, you know, interests that, you know, kind of came and went. But once I got into riding bikes, you know, when I was a teenager riding little BMX bikes and then I discovered mountain bikes and it was kind of all over from there like that's where I kind of based all my travels around going to mountain bike that sort of thing and it really became a passion of mine that was just you know this is what I really love doing you know and so when when we made the move up here a couple of years ago it was like I knew like I did the whole like corporate thing in college and stuff and knew that wasn't really my gig and so I'd tried to really think about what I wanted to do and I was like I really just want to ride my bike like and get paid for it <laughs> yeah well, well I mean it's like so much more than that but what it's turned into is like what I realized is I love taking people out and helping them to understand like the experiences that I get to have out in the woods um, and so when you see somebody that gets out there and they really it starts to click they're starting to have fun that sort of thing it's amazing you know and see somebody that for me it got me out of like you know you know, just bad habits, you know, smoking cigarettes, that sort of thing that, you know, I did when I was a teenager just because That's what dumb. you do here. Well, yeah, and then all of a sudden I discovered biking and I didn't want to do that stuff anymore. I, you know, I started watching what I ate, like, you know, I lost 20 pounds, all this, and it really it changed my lifestyle from riding bikes. And so I love, you know, seeing, like, people, like, go and embrace that. And a lot of people go, you know, they go into mountain biking hard, you know, you fall into it, you know, they're out buying bikes, like, new gear, all this stuff, like, people base their what vehicle they buy around, like how well it hauls mountain bikes, you know, so seeing that is really what made me, you know, I was like, I want to do this as a, as a lifestyle business, you know, it's not a, definitely not a get rich kind of business, but it's, you know, getting people out and you, to enjoy them. Yeah. And you're the making, world. and you're making other people happy and sharing the experience. Yeah, of exactly. And I don't want to sit in an office. Oh, I, I've, <laughs> been, I've been too there. much. Yeah. 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 A little bit, but 
And so um, Colin manages Pilot Cove. We know that. Tell us, you're you're the lead guide for. Uh, yep. Yeah. For Red Wolf, Wolf is uh, it's my company. My wife and I own it. Um, then I have several guides that work with me. Um, that really all they all do a great job. It's all people that are just really love mountain biking. I'm not, you know, I won't just let anybody go out there with my clients. Put it that way. So let's talk about where we are, because again. Pisgah National Forest, um, so much to offer. Probably, I don't know enough, but I'm going to guess it's probably one of the best places in the southeast, probably to mountain bike, western North Carolina, and Pisgah being right here. Um, let just talk about the area. I don't know. I know enough about the hiking system. I don't know enough about the, the mountain bike uh, trail system. So just tell a little, give listeners a little insight, because it's right here. I mean, you literally could ride right out this the driveway here and be on a trail very quickly. So just give listeners a little piece of what they have right in this backyard here. Yeah, for sure. So like from here at Pilot Cove, you're right at the 276 entrance to the Pisgah Ranger District. So Pisgah is a huge national forest that has hundreds of miles of trail. It extends like all past Boone, that sort of thing. But here in Brevard is what, you know, a lot of people call Pisgah proper. Or when you talk about riding mountain bikes in Pisgah, most people mean the trails here. Right, like literally right outside the door we're sitting at. So right. from here you can ride up and get to like the you know super well known like Bennett Gap, you know gnarly downhill fun trail that you know it's just it's one of those that you know people travel a long way to ride. Um, so Pisgah has a personality that's kind of interesting. It's typical you're going to climb for an hour plus at a time. Often you know not all the trails but a lot of them, and then the downhills are rocky, rooty, and you know pretty challenging a lot of them, but. Right. Are they, let me, so you're guiding, obviously, different skill level trails for different people, like, like, sort of like skiing, based, you know, beginner, moderate, advanced type of thing? Yep, for sure, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, we take all skill levels out, um, there is a really nice compliment to Pisgah, just 10 miles away, in DuPont State Forest, which is, um, a state recreational forest, so it's 10,500 acres, um, and it has about 80, 90 miles of trail and like dirt roads. And, you know, the climbs there, they're, you know, 10, 15 minutes long versus an hour, hour and a half long. And the downhills are a little more groomed, a little more flowy, that sort of thing. So there's two riding areas within literally, you know, five minutes from here or 15 minutes from here that have really different personalities and are really equally fun, just, you know, different experiences entirely. Uh, just mountain biking in general, is it, is it still growing? I mean, and I mean, I I think the outdoor movement has start to level off, but I, I see mountain biking like just still exploding. It definitely is on the east coast for sure. You know, I can't speak for out west because they've kind of been ahead of the curve for a while as far as that. But you know, we're getting more and more people coming up from Florida. I'm getting a lot of you know clients that are you know middle aged that picked up mountain biking like in their 40s and 50s and. You know, just because they see it as an accessible sport. Part of it is, you know, there's more trails than ever. A lot of city parks around the country have gotten on to, like, putting a couple miles of trails in. So people don't have to travel to ride as much. But when they get used to riding during the week, then they will travel to places like here on the weekends and and experience um, what we have to offer. And then the bikes have gotten a lot better, too. So everything's more comfortable than it used to be. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Because there's been a massive evolution and and yeah. I and again, you guys are the pros, but you know I've seen everything from like giant tires, which we'll talk about, to uh, the trend for um, e-bikes, electric bikes. So, 
I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I wanted to talk about it because um, we're seeing more of them. And I know they're not allowed in the forest because it's considered a motorized vehicle. Yep. Uh, talk about that trend a little bit and sort of what your thought process is on it. And don't feel like you can't just speak it how it is because that's, <laughs> that's how we roll here. Yeah, we're talking <laughs> e-bikes or just bike development in general? Okay. Uh, both. Just just get yeah. a little snippet on both. Well, I mean, bikes of the technology and with bikes has really come a long way in the past couple of years as far as the way they, you know, what's referred to as the geometry, which basically just means that all the angles on the bike and how everything's set up. From a comfort level. From to a comfort level to inspiring weight. confidence. Um, weight is <laughs> the funny thing with all this with bikes getting better. Bikes have actually gotten a little heavier than they used to be. Wheels have gotten bigger, so you roll over stuff easier. Um, suspension's gotten more comfortable and you know so really the in the past if you have a bike that's more than five years old it is beyond out of date at this point which is you know sort of like get, a computer <laughs> yeah people get mad when you say it because like well i spent you know five thousand dollars on that bike five years ago and i'm like yeah but now five thousand dollars buys you so much more today and i'm not saying go sell your old mountain bike might ride what you have and have fun on it but when you get on a more modern bike you're going to be really surprised with how what it allows you to do which is really a cool thing um, just to see like the, you know, with the 29er wheels and the plus size tires, that sort of thing. It really, really helps out. And then e-bikes is a whole, whole nother can of worms that is, uh, really interesting and definitely have their appropriate uses in areas where they're allowed. You know, that's the big thing is, um, you know, people that sell e-bikes need to make sure they educate their customers on where they're allowed, that sort of thing. Sure, and we know they're allowed around town, um, but they are considered a motorized vehicle. Yep, yep, you don't need to be riding them on sidewalks. I mean, you don't need to be riding any bike on a sidewalk, you know, if you're an right. adult. But, you know, because the speeds you can go are so much higher, like uphill and stuff. Um, they're really, I mean, I think they're going to be awesome for, like, trail builders to get in, hauling tools in. Um you know, photographers for racing, stuff like that. You know, there are a lot of really good uses for them. Or people that, you know, like if I was to go out and hurt my knee and not be able to really pedal full speed for a while, like I think an e-bike would be a great way to at least go bomb some forest roads and get out and do what I like to do without, you know, even if I had an injury or disability that wouldn't allow me. So there's appropriate uses for sure. But ripping single track and Pisgah is not one of them, guys. So. Okay, cool. There's a purity and, I guess, in, in essence to, you know, riding bicycles is one of the most uh, perfect machines you can imagine. And getting out there, especially in the, uh, the wilderness areas, it just it really detracts from the experience when you, you see folks on your bikes out there. Yeah, yeah. like I said, I, I, I don't know enough about it. I just, I know it can be sort of like yeah. politics. Either you, you like oh, yeah. it one way or you don't. And, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, you know. Yeah. So um, there's also uh, a trend... Like, I know, hey, I'm going to put my pack on and hike in for three days. And I've been reading a little bit where there's, that's sort of catching on with mountain biking, where they're basically saying, you know what, I'm going to do a three-day trip, and I'm actually going to move from point A to B and put my tent on it. And I don't know what you call that right now, but... It's called bike packing. Bike packing. Okay. Bike packing. Okay. So. And are you doing any of that? Are you seeing more of that? Or yeah. Just talk I'm, about that briefly. Yeah, for sure. That's coming on really strong because it, it falls under that really cool human-powered travel point-to-point -point stuff just like backpacking does but with bikepacking you can potentially see a little more or you don't you just don't have to walk which is you know my thing i don't like walking places i like riding a bike you know it's more fun for me it's more engaging and then you have like any outdoor pursuit you have the whole gear aspect that people love to nerd out about 
But bikepacking came on strong with the rise of the popularity of the Tour Divide, which is a big race that goes from Banff, Canada, down to the Mexican border. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a 2,000-mile thing, and, like, that's really gotten a lot of media coverage lately in the past few years. And, you know, people seeing that, and really it's opening up their minds to what they can do here. It's like you could go out in Pisgah and do a multi-day loop and not have to come back home. Just take a water filter, a tent, or a hammock, and strap it to your bike and be done. figure it out. Go. Have fun, you know? And it's a really, really cool experience that is, uh, you know, it's just opening up some new possibilities for people. Um, and it really just... I mean, it's just a really fun thing to do. It looks, like, it looks pretty. It's it looks, really it fun. Looks pretty fun. You know, yeah. when all you have to do all day is ride your bike, and just to get to another place, and that's the only thing on the agenda. Like, talk about clearing your head. It's amazing. You know, and you know, for me, I think um, GoPros and the the mounting systems they have have made it's drawn so much more attention. You just see different angles of the sport and what's yep. going on. Um, technology in general, I think. Is, is really brought a lot of attention. Got to do it for the gram. So um, I want to talk a little bit because there's going to be some environmentalists that might be listening. Let's talk about the impact uh, that bikes have on the trails. And, and again, certainly opinions uh, from both you guys. Should And should bikers have separate trails? I don't even know who has the right of way if I'm hiking down the trail. I assume the walker, the hiker does. But talk a little bit about hiking mountain biking in the the trail system just a little bit about overall and the take on that so listeners have an idea what's going on this is a background in pisgah a lot of the trails are old uh, forest service roads and networks of them and so they weren't designed like dupont for purpose-built uh, trail use um, and they've accommodated a lot of different users from hikers to uh, equestrian uses on open trails are, are big here in western north carolina as well so a lot of them are old roads that have just been rutted and eroded over time. Some are fall lines straight down the mountain and, and some um, you know, kind of wind their way uh, along the old uh, roadbeds. Uh, but uh, it's good to have uh, multiple uses and we don't see bikes being, uh, you know, a, 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 I would say, they don't destroy the trails any more than hiking or just natural erosion would. Right. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So, guys, I'm walking down the trail and you're coming down the bike. Who's got the right of way? You've got the right of way. Okay. okay. For sure. So, like, just to set this straight, because I've I try to tell all my clients this, but this is something everybody should know. Bikers yield to everybody. We have to yield to everybody. We're the bottom of that little triangle, you see. Except for cars. <laughs> right? It goes walker, biker, yeah. then a car. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, on the trail, you know, basically, if you're on foot, you have the right of way over horses and bikes. Um but mountain bikers, you yield to hikers, you yield to horses, and you also yield to uphill riders. Okay. So if you're going down a hill and there's somebody pedaling up it straight at you, because all our trails are pretty much multi-directional, you got to yield to them. You know, and a lot of times they'll pull off and wave you on through, and, you know, that's fine. You right. know, like, and that's definitely happens with hikers and stuff. Most hikers are like, you know, they'll smile at you, wave you by, no big deal. But if they're trudging up the trail, you got to pull off and let them pass. And that's, that's something that is as the sport grows, I see is something we have to educate riders on. Like just, I mean the num- rule number one, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Just don't courtesy. be a jerk. Courtesy. Just be don't be yeah. a jerk. Cause every interaction you have with a hiker or an equestrian or any other trail user is reflective of the mountain bike community as a whole. And all it takes is one or two bad interactions for somebody to see all mountain bikers is, you know, these one rotten apple, right? all the, yeah, all these, you know, adrenaline junkie jerks bombing down the mountain, you know, that almost ran over my dog. Like, just, you know, 
have fun, but like, just don't be a jerk. You know, most mountain bikers are also hikers and stuff too. Some aren't, you know, but just think about how you would want to, you know, if you're hiking your dog up a trail and somebody comes around, like just mock stupid fast. And then you don't, you know, at least like slow down or say, Hey, sorry, whatever. Like, you know, be smart. We gotcha. (laughs) Um, mountain biking season, like we're in a unique area here. It seems to be four seasons. Doesn't seem to be unique to summer and fall or whatever. Um, and and I, you got to be impacted a little bit by the winter, and maybe people like even going out in light snow a couple inches or two. But just talk about the four season aspect of the sport here, because unlike some parts of Asheville in the higher elevation, um, you don't get as much snow. So mm-hmm. talk about that just briefly. Well, with. Um the seasonality here, we see a lot of people moving here similar to Barrett, like they would move to a ski resort for the, um, the seasonality of activities you can do there. But there it's um, winter and then summer in terms of uh, you know, summer activities right. and then uh, snow sports. But here for um, bicycles specifically, a lot of people move here for riding their bikes year round. And so obviously spring, summer, fall are beautiful times to get out and enjoy the trails. And then winter you can ride as well, but you need to pay attention to is if we get heavy uh, rainfall and then the freeze-thaw cycle, that can really destroy the trails if, um, you know, we have a few below zero nights and it thaws out and the trails turn to, to mud, so to speak, and, and you just don't want to run out the trails and, and respect them so everybody can ride and, them throughout the year. And in Pisgah, will they, sh- will they shut them down? You just, so you just have to be cognizant of it? Okay. Yep. So it's more of a biker's... Uh, yep. Written, unwritten law type of thing. It's a respect that yep. the community has for riding the trails and enjoying the year round. We had a lot of that this past January. Yeah, and you a know, ton of rain in May too. Yeah, and May was May was a whole different story. <laughs> but you know, like the freeze thaw, you know, big thing with that is just don't ride them if they're thawed. If they're frozen, still, you know, if you go out early, you know, go out, you know, seven a.m. and it's still twenty degrees and they're frozen, it's fine. You know, it's all crunchy. That's no big deal. But once they start to get soft, like. Just head to the gravel, pedal gravel. There's a lot of awesome gravel roads with beautiful views. Like, Cool. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about um, the mountain biking in general. There's How do you compete? I mean, there's a, I see a zillion bike shops. What separates you guys? You know, what makes you a little bit different? And I just, you know, or is there just enough business to go around right now? Because I know, like, there's other hiking and tour businesses, and, I, and I'm friends with them in friendly competition makes everyone a little bit stronger you know yeah, so for sure um just talk about that briefly yeah i mean I, I feel like every each of the tour companies and they i mean they all really do a great job there's not anybody that i'm like man look at those guys you know nobody there's everybody's in it because they love it you know and so everybody offers a little different flavor you know just as far as kind of what experiences they offer that sort of thing i mean for us in particular it's you know we do it because it's what we love to do and we we work really hard to cater every trip to the individual client. We don't do anything. We don't cram groups together. Everything's private. If you book a trip with us, it's just going to be, you know, you and whoever you bring with you and a guide. And, yeah. you know, we try to make sure everything is set up just as really to make it the best experience possible because we want you to come back. That's been our thing. It's like, I want you to be my customer, like, more than just one time. I want you to come back and, like, as you progress your skills, we go up to gnarly trails, that sort of thing. And that's been fun to see, you know, in our second year we have had repeat business, which is... That's, you know, that's it's really validating. You know, it makes you feel good. Like, it's like, okay. Sure, sure. Um, okay, so I can't talk about mountain biking without talking about safety because I've heard that, you know, it's the number one uh, injury-prone accident thing in, in the forest. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, 
But um, let's just talk about just, I want you to just touch on safety and, you know, um, what, what people can do to sort of avoid, just talk about the whole accident thing. I just, I've seen some, uh, and thanks again to YouTube and GoPros. Just, <laughs> I see more, you know, they're showing the bad things and not the good things, right? Just like the news. But anyway, talk about it just briefly. Safety first. Stay within um, your skill level. Stay within your yep. skill level. Do your research. Know where you're going. Know what the trails are. Um, you now have cell phone service out there a lot, so that's uh, really important. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Know your maps. Plan your routes. Tell people about it as well. And if you're going out alone, talk to a guide maybe before and get get exactly. some education. Bike shops are excellent resources for folks who you know ride the trails on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, just uh, educate yourself and be prepared. Is is you know, 90% of the battle. Yeah. Out here, I mean, it's like, if you're going out by yourself, you should carry at least a small first aid kit. You know, I mean, because bumps, bruises, cuts, that stuff happens. Right. You know, even if you are prepared, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff happens because people are riding over their head. That That's definitely true. But a lot of stuff is just, you know, if you ride enough miles, at some point something's going to happen. Yeah, you know, I mean, just because it is, I mean, the faster you get, the harder you fall, that sort of thing, you know. When you start off mountain biking, it's more like little bumps and bruises falling over. And then when you get good at it, then you don't fall over as much. But when you do, you're going a lot faster. Right. So Makes sense. Be Makes prepared sense. and tell somebody where you're going if you're going by yourself. So let's talk about something fun. Uh, tell me about your favorite piece of gear that you have. It can be your bike, your helmet, your back, whatever whatever your favorite piece of gear that you own. It's, it's got to be my bike. I've got a 2013 Scott Spark. Um, it's due for an upgrade as we talked about. Here. Five years old. That's five years old. <laughs> but it's, it's taken me a lot of places and, um, you know, for the amount I ride, it's, it's just perfect for, um, you know, what we use. But I'm looking to upgrade that soon. But uh, yeah, start with the bike. You can't go anywhere without it. Cool beans. What about you, Matt? I mean, you're... Man, that's tough. I, I mean, I go through a lot of stuff, but I mean, I will say my WTB Silverado saddle is definitely up there because that's a, that's a really important piece of gear. Get a saddle that you get along with because you're going to spend a lot of time with it, you know. And then also it's been something that's underrated is having a quality bike rack. Like I use a Yakima rack that's four bike rack. It's awesome. Easy I and mean, uh, easy. Easy and yeah. it takes me two seconds to throw bikes on there. You know, it's, and that makes the experience a lot better. If you're stuffing your bike in the back of your car, like you're not going to want to go as much because that's a pain. Right. So having a good bike rack will make your experience better. Awesome. All right. So, um, you know, we're going to sort of wind down a little bit. Uh, and when you guys aren't biking and you're doing other things, you know, give me a, give me a fun secret. It doesn't even have to be secret. Something, a place that you go that, uh, you enjoy when you're not, when you're not working. Um, I would say the parkway. Uh, there's just such a diverse range of activities on it. And I've got a two-year-old daughter, so I can't uh, you know, go hardcore outdoor activities all the time. But there, it's just taking a picnic, and um, you, know, you can go to Skinny Dip Falls and get on the river, or graveyard fields and enjoy waterfalls, or um, Black Balsam Knob. There's just so much, especially around Brevard, focusing on this area specifically that you can see for mountain vistas. Um, road cycling is great up there as well. But, it's um, you know an American treasure, I think, and it just draws so many people to, to this area. So it's it's one of my favorite places to visit. I'm gonna just touch on that briefly because when we owned our other business, I was blown away at how many people would come here, and I'm like, have you been up to the Parkway? And they're like, <laughs> no, we haven't even thought about that because, as you mentioned, I think it's one of the most underrated roads that we have in the country, not if not the East Coast. It's spectacular for all you listeners who've never been on the Parkway. 
do yourself the justice and take a ride in either direction because it's just an awesome road. Anyway, with that being said, when you're not working, Barrett, what are you doing? <laughs> um, where, where, do you, where are you going? What are you doing? I mean, honestly, taking the dog and a couple beers and going sitting somewhere on the Davidson River. You know, there's a bunch of little pull-offs on the Davidson. Find one where nobody's parked. Hike down, you know, the couple minutes down in the river and let the dog swim, drink a beer or two. Just, you know, have cool. a good time. Like, it's pretty pretty relaxing, you know. Cool. I'm, uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to Pisca Brewery. When they have live music out in the back, I, I haven't mm-hmm. talked about that, but they have some, they have a pretty awesome venue up back. So if you guys want to see some live music and they've got any concerts, not to mention they're one of the older breweries in the area, uh, just a cool, cool shout out to there. So we're gonna wind down. Um, I want you guys to tell us um, where to find you physically or uh, on media, and if you have any event or anything coming up that you'd like to share with the listeners. How about you, Count? First, uh, you can find us pilotcove.com. And so, with just a background, we have 10 vacation rental cabins now, real modern, real uh, luxurious in their finishes. And we're planning uh, phase two this winter. So, it's going to be anywhere between, let's say, eight to 12 more cabins. And we're also planning a clamp ground uh, segment as well. So, uh, stay tuned on our website for, for more info on the expansion. And also, we just opened, similar to Pisgah, but we have a 300-seat uh, live, live music amphitheater, and it's also a wedding venue as well. But it's into the hillside uh, bordering uh, Pisgah National Forest and uh, is made from uh, timber frame uh, trees that were harvested from, uh, from the amphitheater site. So more info is on our website. Be sure to check us out. Yeah, check it out. I got to, to see that live. It's pretty sweet. So, um, Barrett, where are we finding you? Yeah, it's redwolftours.com or on Instagram at redwolftours. And so we, um, we meet everybody at the shop or at the trailhead and, you know, just give me a call and we'll set up a ride and show you around. Cool beans. Listen, I really appreciate you guys taking the time today. I'm Greg at Incline Adventures and that's Incline Without the Eye, so nclineadventures.com. Thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll catch up with you on the next podcast.